Tonight we're going to talk about walking in anointing. It's such a, a church word, a Christian word. But I want to just kind of break it open and explain a little bit about it. This is what Jesus said and what was said of him. There's a book in the Old Testament by a man called Isaiah. And Isaiah, in chapter, one, uh, chapter 61 of his book, the first verse says this, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives. When we say the word Jesus Christ, the word Christ means the anointed one. And so every time his name was said, you are the Christ, actually people were saying, you're anointed. I wonder what that means. If, if I was a painter, in order to do my work, I would need some paint. If I was a chef or a cook, which is beyond the realms of possibility, I would need some ingredients to do my work. If I would want to minister to people and to help people as a Christian, we need some anointing. That's why we see so many people, you know, that either on the street or around somewhere, and they're actually ministering from their own desire, not anointing. You have to make sure that you have something of God's favor on your life for things to work. Can I put it this way? The anointing is the fabric. It's the currency of the ministry. It's what you use in order to make it happen. It's what you have in your soul and in your spirit so that you can help people. I want you to notice something about Jesus, that any, he didn't do anything until he'd received a, a baptism of the Holy Spirit coming upon him. Sure, he was, a, he was a godly child who gave out wisdom in the temple when he was 12 years old, but he never, we don't read any ministry, we have no record of him doing any ministry until he had that Holy Spirit coming upon him. Now, you have to understand something about Jesus. When Jesus is God, but when he came to earth, he released and emptied himself of that strength and power of being God so that everything he did as Jesus, he did by the strength of the Holy Spirit when he was on earth. And he did that to show you that you need that too. That you, if you want to be like him, he did everything he did by the power of God, but you have that same power. And you can have that same power. It was more, we, we're, tonight we're going to, we're going to put uh, uh, some bowls out and we're going to dab you, but actually the word was more than a dab. It's, it's, a, it's a kind of pouring. It means an ample supply. So an anointing doesn't just mean what we will do tonight. It actually means an ample supply of God's power flowing on your life. But the anointing is not just for us to feel good or to sense some uh, presence. The anointing is given to do something. Jesus said it this way. He said, I'm anointed to proclaim good news. God gives it me 
for a reason. A priority of ministry is to receive, but then also to maintain this power of God. So I just want to, in a sense, lay this at your feet tonight. The things that you want to do for God, those are good and godly ambitions. Some of them may not be so godly ambitions. I don't know. But you won't do anything for God I won't do anything for God unless you say, God, will you supply the anointing, the power of God to do it? Let me, let me speak in more plain language. Anointing is the release of the power of God in your life to help, to heal, and convince other people that God is real. That's what it is. It's the power that flows through you to help, to heal, and convince other people that the presence of God is real. It's the flow of God's power, and in that sense, it's transferable. You know, in the, in the New Testament times, people would touch Jesus' cloak, and they would feel power. You're going to feel power transferred to you tonight. And it, it's not magic by the person. It's actually that God says, I want to use people as a conduit for my power. That Paul would leave sometimes a, a handkerchief or an apron, and, and they would take it to people who were not well because there was a transfer of power. I want you to get used to this, that actually you can receive power by the laying on of hands and by impartation. Jesus is the one who saves us. But I don't know about you, there are many Christians who say, well, you saved me, but you're not helping me. My situation's still the same. I had a very tragic story this week how a pastor was advising somebody that, well, you just got to get on with it. And actually, the person was so discouraged by that. But actually, I want to say something to you. I want to almost speak this into your heart and into your spirit. Jesus isn't just the one who saves us. He touches us and changes our current situation by His Holy Spirit power. And He wants to do that for you tonight. He wants to minister to you tonight. He wants you to receive a shift in your situation. Now, don't get worried about us as a church. Uh, about talking about the Holy Spirit. We're not going to go weird. We're not going to go speaky, spooky. Uh, I make speaky quite a lot. But we're not going to go spooky in any way. We're going to say that the Bible teaches that we need power. You know, in fact, you know that there are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You know that? And you know that the first three are very similar. They're called synoptic gospels, that they have many similar stories in them, and that John's gospel is a little different. But there's one thing that's in all four gospels. And the thing, and there's, there's a few things, but some of the things that are key to all four gospels is this. John the Baptist said, I am not, uh, he is greater than I, but when he comes, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. He said in all four gospels. Because the gospel writers saw this as key. The, 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 the anointing on our lives, this flow of power needs maintaining. And I want you to notice something about Jesus, of, of how he maintained this. And you know this lesson, but I want to remind you of it. 
Jesus had a very busy day. One day, it's, in the, it's recorded in the first chapter of the Gospel of Mark. He, he healed people. He taught people. He, he uh, healed um, uh, Peter's mother-in-law. He, he'd done a lot. And uh, it says of Jesus, after he'd had this really long and busy day, in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, it says, very early the next morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to his solitary place where he prayed. The lesson of how to maintain your anointing is go back to the source where you got it from. That you've always got to spend a little bit of time with God and keep replenishing that. You know this. But you see, some people have become professional Christians and they know how to act it. They know how to do it. But actually, that's no substitute at all for going back to the source and saying, Father, fill me again with your Holy Spirit. Why don't you just say that in your spirit right now, just as I'm speaking? Say, Father, fill me again. I'm coming back to this source. You know, I, I notice in Jesus' life, again, he fed the 5,000, and he fed the 5,000 because he had compassion on them, not because he was trying to prove anything. He fed the 5,000 because they were hungry. He wasn't trying to uh, describe himself as anything. He just felt love for those people. But it's incredible that after a long day, he taught, he fed the 5,000, and then it says this of Jesus, after leaving them, he sent the disciples off. He went up on a mountainside to pray. You see, one of the ways to maintain the anointing that all of us have got to do, this, and when I say anointing, hear another phrase in your mind, the power of God flowing through you to help heal and convince others. The way that that happens consistently is if you will go back to the source where you got it from in the first place, our Heavenly Father and from Jesus, our baptizer, that you'll go and spend time with Him. You see, spirit, power, and outworking comes from a spending time with God every day, every single day. I said it this morning. Ephesians 5.18 says, keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. The people in the book of Acts, they were filled in Acts chapter 2. They were filled in Acts chapter 4. So the first way of maintaining anointing, spend some time with God. And I just sense, there was, you know, these four messages that I've got, they're so basic, but I just feel like God is saying, almost like, you know, when you... You write a birthday card and you say happy birthday and you're just reminding that person that you are thinking of them. I almost feel that this is like a, like a card to you to say I'm reminding you of what you know. I'm reminding you to come back to me, come to the source. We release the anointing in our lives when we walk by faith. You know, we, we, we gave up on faith when, when we thought some people were going over the top on it, but faith is actually, as well as the anointing, is a currency of the ministry. We cannot do anything unless we believe and trust him. Even Jesus couldn't do much in his ministry when he was surrounded by, remember when he went to Nazareth and didn't really believe much? And it, it, even he couldn't do much when people didn't believe. How are we going to walk in faith? You've got to increase your knowledge of the word of God. You know, get into the Bible. It's brilliant. It's an amazing book. 
and God will teach it to you. But I want to just say something to you. you know, there's a, the word in Revelation says they overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. I wonder if you could surround yourself with people who believe. I just wonder, you know, if you took a, a little register of the people you hang out with, are, are they more non-believers or believers? Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't have anything to do with unbelievers, but it's really important that for part of your week, you surround yourself with people who believe, and they can top up your faith and, and strengthen your faith. If you want to walk by faith as well as the Word of God and having people around you who can speak faith into your life, step out by helping people. How, how do I do this? You know, you know what I do? I try and copy Jesus, and I, I never pray on people, but I always say, God, would you show me people who are in need? You know, one of the most beautiful descriptions of Jesus is in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. It says this, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with his Holy Spirit power and how he went about doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. He went about saying, how can I help? How can I do some good? How can I meet a need? How can I do this? If you will keep your antennae up in, in, the, in the normal run of your week and if you will say, who is in need? How can I help that need? Not, not jumping on people and saying, how can I tell you the four points of the gospel and how can I preach at you? But if first of all you will meet some needs, then God will open people's hearts and God will minister to those people and use you in an unusual way. Minister to those people who God sends to you. Do you know that you're not supposed to minister to everybody? Did you get that? Now, I'd like to, when, you, when we've got our personality, you know, we want to help as many people as possible. Jesus only did what the Father directed him to do. Do you know that? You know, I always think about, do you remember the, the time when he's at the, uh, by the pool, uh, pool of Salome, was it? You know, where there's, everybody's there and there's this superstition that the, when the water gets troubled, the first one in. That's a really worldly way of seeing healing, isn't it? The, the first one into the water gets it. That's like survival of the fittest, isn't it? Instead of the compassionate love of God. But you know that place was a place where many people gathered? Have you ever asked yourself this? Jesus, why didn't you just heal everybody? Why did you only pick on that one man? Because he only did what the Father asked him to do. There's some people in here, I, I can just almost see it in the spirit. You've got 15 people on your shoulders and God's saying, why are you carrying so many? That's not anointing. That's your need to be needed. Do you ever remember that Peter and John, they, they were in the, in the book of Acts, that one of the first miracles that they did, it probably was the first miracle that they did, they went past a blind beggar, uh, uh, not a blind beggar, a beggar at the gate, beautiful. Do you remember that? Do you know the gate, beautiful, that Jesus went in and out that gate uh, all the time to go into Jerusalem? And Jesus had walked past that beggar. And the question might be, Jesus, don't you care about that beggar? And he's thinking, I'm just saving it for my apostles to do it. You see, you have got to do what's assigned to you. And that's how you walk in anointing. There are times when some of us, we're trying to help everybody, we're helping nobody. Because we're not following what God is actually saying. So let me say this to you. Minister to whom God sends you. 
Now, don't get snooty about it. Don't ever say to anybody, God's not sent me to you. You can't have my special attention. Maybe if they come into your area, maybe God has sent them to you. But do you get what I mean? You've got some assignments from God, and some of them are not what you're carrying right now. You see, you'll have some assignments that God has to you because the Bible says that God has prepared works for us to do. I'm going to wrap up, but I just wanted to minister to you by saying something really important. The anointing is maintained. It's not automatic. It's something that unless you go back to the source, unless you walk in faith and look for opportunities, the anointing doesn't flow. And it's because we're not looking for opportunities or trying to help people, then our anointing gets stodgy. And what I mean by anointing is this transference of power to help, to heal, and convince others. You see, are we being effective by when we're becoming more sensitive to the Holy Spirit? I wonder if you could wake up tomorrow and say, Holy Spirit, what are you up to? Let's increase our sensitivity, shall we? Jesus never used the anointing to prove God's power. He never did it. He, in fact, he declined it. Herod, in the week that he was crucified, the day before, Herod was really pleased. Oh, I get to interview Jesus. And, and actually, Herod said to him, perhaps you can do some miracle and maybe he hoped that he would see he would perform a sign. And he plied Jesus with questions. And Jesus didn't answer him. You see, because for Jesus, any use of the anointing was because he loved people. Because he had compassion on people. And God wants to place you in your life in a place so that you can express the love of God. So tonight we want to talk about power but from a heart of love. You're here tonight. I want to say to you, I want to announce to you, God loves you more than you love yourself. He loves you because he loves you because he loves you. And so tonight when we come for prayer and we come for an anointing touch from God, let compassion be our motive. When Jesus looked at the crowds, he was compassionate about them. In fact, you know, he miraculously fed people. The actual meeting that need of hunger came from a heart of love and compassion. He said this, I have compassion on these people. They've already been with me three days and have had nothing to eat. Wow, can you imagine that for a sermon? Should I just bed in for a bit? And should we stay here for three days? And I can preach for three days and then we'll feed you miraculously. No, I don't think that idea is landing at all. But it was because he loved people that he wanted to touch them in power. What's your motivation? What's my motivation? I pray that the reputation of our church is they are so loving in that church. They care about people. When he healed a blind man, it said he had compassion on them and he touched their eyes. They cried out, Jesus, have mercy on me, son of David. And he turned and he had compassion on them. 
The miracle flows from the love of God, from his heart. How about us? You see, your love is as important as your ministry. Your love for people is as important as your anointing. You know, we have an enemy, don't we? And if you're not used to this language, there's a spiritual personality that's fighting against us. And, and the enemy wants to confuse and to block you from being filled with refreshment, with anointing and release. He wants to. He, he wants you to, to begin to get wary of it. And so I don't know whether I want all of that stuff. We have to refuse this because when we walk in anointing, how much could God do through us? How much could God touch this world with our love and with the power of God flowing through us? So today, do you want to do something for God? Amen. You're going to need to be anointed to do it. You're going to need the power of God on you in you, moving through you to do it. You see, nobody becomes a Christian. Nobody becomes a Christian unless the Holy Spirit draws them and uses your kind words, your loving words, your intellectual words. But it might be your words, but God's power has to draw people. So we need that anointing on us. 